Hello and welcome to the Arena Craft Podcast, your favorite show dedicated exclusively to MTG Arena. I am one of your hosts, Covert Go Blue. I am joined this week by the other host, the great, the wonderful, the handsome, the bearded, the beautifully accented Arjuna Perkins. How you doing, Arjuna? How'd I do? You know, I was about to be worried there. I was about to ask you what happened to me. And <laughs> what did you do with my Arjuna? And then I realized that I was getting complimented. And oh, okay, flattery, yeah, yeah, flattery will actually get you everywhere with me. So thank you, Kovac Goblu. I'm feeling very bearded and very handsome today, and I am happy to be here with you. Also, let's all give a little round of applause, Kovac Goblu. Baby's first intro. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Did I mention that you can uh, find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, <laughs> Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, probably, and uh, the internet, the arenapodcast.com YouTube channel, and Twitter. I don't know. Twitter. What? We're on Twitter. Is that a thing you can just be on as a podcast? Twitter is actually our show. We have a Discord uh, as well, and we probably have an Instagram full of swimsuit pics. I haven't looked, but it's probably there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how you doing this week? Uh, like, I'm 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 trying. I'm branching out. I'm trying new things. That's going to be one of the themes of the show this week. Uh, we have a action-packed show where this week we actually have several topics, and we're going to go over them and just kind of talk about it. There's a lot of big news and magic. There's some stuff going on behind the scenes. So a little bit of a variety pack. But trying new things is going to be a little a little piece of the theme we're going to get into. Heck yeah. I mean, there's just there is a lot of newness coming down the pipe for magic in general. If recent trends are anything to go by, I'm guessing that 2021 will see like more just more magic product hit the universe than any previous year. So that's pretty exciting. Gives it us lots of talk. It is about. exciting. Yeah, we could never stop talking about new cards. So Yeah. Uh, and that my goodness, like we'll get into it, but there is there are some announcements that I think shake up what we know about magic on its own, um, in that that came out this week about new sets and new cards. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, Arjuna. I am uh I, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable in my own skin right now because I've I've said about I think two or three times as many words in the opening minutes of this podcast as I'm used to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop trying to host the show. I want out. out. <laughs> He's tapping out. He's realizing just exactly how much logaria usually comes out of Arjuna's mouth on this podcast. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> so yes. A voluminous amount. So let's transition here to our first order of business which is that we are going to answer a question of the week, a.k.a. lightning round question. This one comes from Airplant. Wonderful name, by the way. I appreciate that. And Airplant asks, if you could pick an old set to remaster and put into Historic, what would it be? I'll, uh... Oh. Since CGB just did a lot of talking, I'll go first here, and I'll give him a chance to think about it, because I've already thought about it. Now, here's the good news is that my wish is almost certainly going to come true sometime soon because the set that I would like to see added is a fairly recent set. It is the Shadows over Innistrad set, and it was a block. There were two sets, and I would be happy to see both of those come to Historic. So let's talk a little bit about why. First of all, it's just 
the set that I return to Magic playing, so it has a special place in my heart. Second of all, it does actually have some pretty cool cards that I just think would shake up Historic and have the potential to become immediate staples. I'm talking about cards such as Tireless Tracker, the infamous Tireless Tracker that has seen play in many formats and is a very powerful card. As well, we have cards like Grim Flayer, which I think could be very relevant in a format like Historic. It's real standard all-star when it was in standard. Of course, we have the unforgettable Archangel Avacyn, which eh, I don't know if that slots immediately into Historic, but I think it's definitely a very powerful card, and I think that Historic is not too low to the ground that someone might consider running a card like that, so would love to see that. And then, of course, if they were really brave, if they really wanted to put on their grown-up grown up clothes and try some real grown-up high-stakes magic, they could even bring Emrakul, A Promised End, into the format. Now, for the nerds out there, did you say the block or the set? Well, so, yeah, I, I started by saying the set, but then mm-hmm. I kind of realized, like, these remasters, they seem to kind yeah. of amalgamate, right? So it would probably just be yeah. the block. Yeah. So this would be like a a historic remastered mashup of the two sets, Eldritch Moon and Shadows. Exactly. Okay. Because I I didn't I was already like blowing my brain up trying to remember which was in which, you know, <laughs> yeah. and whether or not I could remind say yeah Emrakul or Ishkana or Traverse Uvenwald or not. Yeah. It's so much easier when. So I miss blocks. I miss two sets. Oh really? In a block. You were a fan. Oh. I, I liked it. I, I still do. I, I hate, like we talked about in the past about snow, you know, mm, we, right. we just know this is our snow and there's not going to be a good snow because this snow wasn't good enough and there's not going to be more snow in the next set. Sad, right? That's just sad for people who like snow decks. So I like having the second set to make the themes more powerful and revisit them. But when it comes to remastering, I like it being one. I like going back and then combining it into one. That makes me a lot happier because then it's like going backwards. It's lame. We already know what all the cards are and we just want to play with them again. Why would we get these cards and not those cards? Which is part of what we've complained about with Amonkhet Remastered, skipping a whole bunch of classics. Just just put them just all in. Criminal. What's, what's wrong with that? Criminal. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I think from a constructed standpoint, I really like the blocks. From mm-hmm. a limited standpoint, I did not like it. So I was really happy when they returned to just the big set paradigm for yeah. Limited specifically. Because in Limited, you had to combine the two sets, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so you would have one pack of the old one and two packs of the new one. Exactly. And, yeah. and in so and there was a period where they were actually doing blocks in threes, and so you'd have one pack of each. And I'm, I'm just not a fan of that, dude. I'm... I don't know. I, I I couldn't even specifically... I could probably go into why, but honestly, just my anecdotal experience was that I always had fun drafting triple big set. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, I mean, you brought up some other excellent cards, right? Traverse the Olvenwald? What a sick magic card that is. That is a very fun card. For those who haven't seen it, it is a one green sorcery that lets you search your library for... I'm going to try here. It's a creature, a land, or 
Well, well. So when you don't oh, have oh, delirium, oh, it searches for a land. Yeah, yeah. So it searches your library for a basic land card for one green sorcery. Meh, boring, right? Right. But then if you have delirium, which is four different types of cards in your graveyard when you cast it, you can search your library for a creature, land, or maybe an artifact. Artifact, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's planeswalker, but anyway, it's a tutor. It's a it's a sweet tutor. It's a really sweet tutor. Yep. Um, it also, there's a Liliana, the Promised Hope. Is that her name? Liliana, the Last the Hope? The Last Hope, yes. The three-mana Liliana. Three-mana yeah, Liliana. That was a good one. Which was a, a good frickin' Planeswalker, dude. And I actually think that Lily would be a pretty solid addition to the format. She can just come down and murderate your opponent's X-1s, and that are. Yeah, nice nice Bomat courier, man. Nice, <laughs> nice Soul Warden. Exactly. Offer them up to Lily. So and uh, a th- and also a three mana planeswalker with a game ending ultimate. Which how often do you see that? So it's what won that pro tour. Yes, the shadows over Innistrad pro tour was won by a Liliana emblem. Very flavorful win against Emrakul, by the way. So anyway, so that that's my vote, and I think that that will happen. So I'm pretty excited about it. What about you, Kavaka Blue? I don't care about balance for the historic format. I do not care about watch. Like I just want to watch the world burn, okay. and I just want the nostalgia rush that I think is really the moneymaker for Magic the Gathering. And I think that that's where they're going to make their money for the next decade plus is the nostalgia hits. So I hope they do this. I want Revised. Oh, baby. All right. I, I, I Revised was interesting because it came out after a few sets had come out. So it did have pieces of the dark. It did have pieces of Antiquities. It cut the blatantly broken. So no Black Lotus, no Moxes, no Ancestral Recall, no Time Walk. Things like that. Uh, it still had plenty of broken going on. I'm pretty sure one of my first rares was like a revised mind twist. Yeah, mind twist was gas. I'm not saying nothing sad will happen to you. I mean, spell. You know, dude, that's what I want. I want to go back to the start. I want magic. I want magic from uh, the kid at Boy Scout camp. You know, I, I want those that that very very first experience with magic all over again. You want those circles of protection in Historic? Dude, I want stasis <laughs> and winter orb, man. That's, let's go. Oh, let's bring it back, man. Pestilence. I could see you pestilence some people out. My first big-time tournament performance in Limited, Arjuna. This is, this is a story I never tell anybody. Was revised. And I had in my pool Ivory Tower, which gains one life for each card in your hand above four. Dope so card. if you have seven cards in your hand, you gain three life. It's like a one drop too, isn't it? Yep, for one mana, one mana Just artifact. Just like drop that on turn one and go to town. I had Winter Orb, <laughs> oh no. which says each player can only untap one land on each of their upkeeps. Brutal. And that's all you get is one land. All right, that's a two that's mana a two artifact. That's a two drop. Nice little. That's a two mana right artifact, there. by the way. Okay, I had a card called Channel, which is a green green sorcery, and you can pay any amount of life to create any amount of colorless mana that leaves the pool at end of turn or at the end of the phase. And I had Disintegrate, which is one in a red and X deal X damage to target player. Oh, I had boy. a game. I, I had so many games. I would play turn one Scrib Sprites, just a 1-1 one, one flyer, and attack with it once or twice, drop like Winter Orb, wait till I untapped three lands, 
channel disintegrate you. fireball your opponent's face. In limited. In limited. There you go, baby. Of course I top aided. (laughs) Then I had to draft something else, and it was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got to live your little control dream in limited. Yeah. Yeah, I was never the same after that. And then I realized, I was like, limited is the best format ever. And then I realized you don't get to do that in every, every time. You, you can't yeah. force that in yeah. every draft. No, you can't. <laughs> and I was like, I'm off it. I'm done with this. <laughs> you know, that would be interesting to actually introduce those cards into Arena. I mean, first of all, it would be a huge visual design shift. We basically have not had like these super old border, old style cards i kind of wonder as well they'd probably make them all errated right which would be a little bit of a bummer because i think parts of the appeal of those old cards is having them be called interrupts and you know all that kind of stuff people don't know what that means (laughs) those kids wouldn't know but yeah they'd be errated for sure so that would be an interesting thing but it would also just be interesting to see that the kind of you were hinting at it like the vast disparity in power level I mean, this was still during a time when, and I mean, I say this like it's not still happening, right? I was going to say it was during a time when they were still kind of figuring out the limits of what a power level is in Magic the Gathering. Arguably, they're still trying to figure that out. Bro, revised versus Eldrain, No bands. Let's oh, go. that would be sick. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, your winter orb becomes an elk. Taste it. That'd actually be really fun. That'd be awesome. But yeah, so so you, it's definitely, if you go back and look at these cards, is you know, you've got hot, unplayable garbage, which is probably like 50 to 60% of revised. It is. And then you have these cards that are just so miserable. That was one thing I think they have figured out, at least in some measure, is how to not make cards miserable. Now, of course, they're still printing stuff like Cat Oven, so maybe they haven't entirely figured that out. But I feel like every set back in the day just had like a handful of utterly miserable cards to play against. Yeah, Yeah, there were definitely a bunch of experiments that it's like, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? I don't understand. Oh, can we play for Anti? Anti was in revised. <laughs> oh, like you contract. want Anti back? Contract oh from God. below. But for those who don't know, it used to be part of the official rules of Magic the Gathering that at the beginning of each game, you cut each other's deck and then reveal the top card. That card is Anti. You play for that card. Winner take all, loser take sadness. Yeah. You win your opponent's cards. Yeah, you're basically playing marbles. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was uh, it was something. And there were cards that said things like each player anties a, an additional card or target player has to ante an additional card. And yeah, those, oh, those yeah, have been banned s- from switch out the anteed cards. Yeah. Oh man, different times, different times. So thank you for the question, and uh, thank you for sending that to the Arena Craft Podcast, the podcast exclusively dedicated to MTG Arena. Thank you for giving me a chance to be go total boomer without leaving the uh, confines of our, uh, you know, what our podcast is supposed to do. Well, someday you too will be able to cast the Power Nine from your very own Arena client. But in the meantime, Kovaku Blue, what else do we have to talk about today? So one of the things that most of the competitive gamers and the pros are focused on is that the Kaldheim Championships are coming up. March 26th through 28th on Twitch TV is the Kaldheim Championship, and it's split format. We've got standard, and we have 
historic. Standard has been chugging along since the release of Call Time. Nothing has been banned. We're yeah. we're like the look at look at the wall. Look at the wall. There's a count the counter up there that says days without a ban is still intact <laughs> in standard. So uh, that's interesting. So a meta that we know a good amount about. And then we also have historic, which has some new cards. So I thought it would be fun to, to make some predictions of what you think we'll see this weekend. What will the pros play and what will rise to the top of standard and historic at the Kaldheim Championship? Yeah, that's great. Where do you want to start? Which format? Let's go standard. Okay. Cool. Standard. I have really been enjoying the standard format, I would say, up until probably like last week or something like that. Basically, I'm definitely one of those people who enjoys unstable formats and generally doesn't enjoy stable formats as much. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because you know what deck I was thrilled to play before it was cool? With Sultai Emergent Ultimatum. Ultimatum. Yes. Yeah. You know what deck I was, I just can't even bring myself to touch ever since that deck broke out was freaking Sultai Ultimatum. I don't, I, I just don't have a stomach for it, CGB. So these days in standard, I'm trying to play various jank with various degrees of success. So that's kind of my, my frame of reference. I do think that that deck will be in the tournament. I think that Sultai Ultimatum has been a consistent performer, and I think that people will find ways to tweak it for any given upcoming meta game. I, I don't know, CGB. Do you think that it's safe to say, I don't think that we've fully solved Standard, but I feel like Standard has definitely congealed into a shape that it's probably not going to deviate too wildly from until the next set comes out. Do you think that that's accurate? I think so, and I think Emergent Ultimatum is the big culprit for that, because the interesting thing that's going on is there was meta churn, there was shift, there was like, okay, we found uh, this deck with like Showdown of the Scalds, and it was really good, then Emergent Ultimatum wiped it out, and then aggro showed that it can be emergent ultimatum and then in at the mpl level at the league weekend we saw a bunch of adventure decks come to beat the aggro decks that were keeping ultimatum down since that happened i was looking for like the next shift but there's just no shift everybody keeps playing ultimatum like it it keeps going up in played percentage with no new technology without anything really different. The aggro deck still beat it and people are playing it anyway. I think I saw I heard from somebody and this I believe is from Twitch chat so take it with a grain of salt. But I think that in like the recent competitive SCG first round there were 21 Saltai ultimatum decks and they went 0 for 21. Wow. Like they they lose they they get destroyed by cycling the aggro decks saute them a good amount of the time and people still play it and the problem with that is that it just keeps other innovation just completely shut down because all those adventure lists can't really compete with ultimatum anything that is slower than absolute aggro can't compete. And the only place where we see the juke is at the really high level. Because at the high level, you have to decide, okay, everyone on ladder is just stubbornly slamming ultimatums. But at this level, we need to perform. We need to win. There's big bucks and prestige on the line. So I think people know that ultimatum is very beatable at that level. For me, beating ultimatum mostly involves running decks I don't like. <laughs> You know what I mean? The only thing I've found that I like is playing Demir Control. Like, 
just millions of counter spells, Graven Lord, Demir Control. Like I can play that deck and beat Ultimatum all day. And but the matchups take forever and they're super hard. Like even though I'm favored, it takes forever. And then you run up against rogues and you're like, God, this is such a slog. So like I think that rogues and the aggro decks can beat the ultimatum deck, have proven that they can do it. I think that people want to play the adventure decks, but just can't because ultimatum's on the ladder all the time. I think that at the super high level, some people will still play ultimatum, but I think the winning records are going to go to the adventure decks and uh, maybe some kind of a like control shell like Demir that has good matchups in both places. So when you say adventure decks, are you primarily talking about teamer adventure or do you lump Naya adventure in with that? So teamer adventure is better against the go big decks because they have counter spells and can board into more counter spells yeah. and sort of a combo-y time walk finish. And then Naya is terrible against those go big decks, but it's better than teamer against the fast decks right. because they have giant killer instead of counter spells, which are slow and clunky against the fast decks. So yeah, eh, there's it kind of depends what you expect, which you should play. Yep, definitely a lot of rock, paper, scissors to the format, which is often the sign of at least a healthy and playable format. And I think it's cool that there are like more than just a handful of decks that are in contention. I feel like you could definitely plausibly see someone sleeve up any of, you know, Sultai, Naya, Tima, Cycling, one of these monocolored aggro decks, whether it's white or red. I've even seen some rumblings that mono green aggro seems to be doing okay, which I would not sleeve up for an event like this. But anyway, it, it definitely seems like a diverse meta game. I don't know, man. If you were participating in this tournament, which direction would you be going in? Was it just Demir, like you said? Yeah, yeah, it's the only deck I can really stomach playing right now, which is a problem for a YouTuber personality who plays a lot of different decks because... Uh, my my daily routine for what feels like weeks now has been wake up, brew new deck, bring new deck on ladder, lose three games to ultimatum, and maybe one in there to a mono white deck that, you know, is always on the play, of course, and then delete deck, and then go find like my comfortable Demir controlly thing and go torture ultimatum to rebuild my rank. And I just keep living this groundhog day. And it is frustrating because... The weird thing is, I think it's a healthy metagame, and I think it's a healthy format. And I think that the problem I have with it is so many of the popular decks are decks I just hate playing against so yeah. much. Yeah. I hate it. I hate Selfless Savior and Illuminarch Aspirant. You know, I'm sick of that. I hate Fervent Champion into Fervent Champion into Annex. I'm sick of that. I hate having to choose my demise to emergent ultimatum. I'm sick of that. And I hate cycling in rogues probably more than all of those things. So I, I, I'm just at this point where it's very rare that I'm not rolling my eyes by turn three. So I'm ready for the new set. And it's a weird complaint because I don't know if it's just my personal taste, right? But I am at a point where I'm making content around historic and brawl now on a regular basis and i still make a standard video every day but it's work like that's me showing up to work i'm just gonna get dumpstered for the next hour i'm gonna leave feeling dirty and miserable and then i get to play something i want to play <laughs> so anyway that's that's like my personal diary yeah for the <laughs> well i i mean 
I have been playing less standard lately, and it's for basically the same reason. It's I'm definitely not like sick of the format, but it is definitely. I mean, this is what happens, right? Is that a meta yeah. game solidifies to where you see the same decks enough, and when you're just playing against the same decks time and time and time again, it does become an eye roll. And especially when the meta game. So one of the things that's nice for diversity, but is also difficult for deck building, is that like how could you ever hope to have a good plan against all of these decks? I I actually don't think it's possible. Like yeah. How are you going to beat cycling and rogues and ultimatum decks and like like even compare the the mono white aggro deck with the mono red aggro deck like they require such different answers at such different speeds different parts of the game um, you really can't approach those two matchups anywhere close to the same so you've got matchups where against the mono red deck your instant speed removal pretty good. Against the white deck, your instant speed removal might be totally laughable. You don't know which of those matchups you're going to get. So yeah, I think it's it's fun, but it makes it very, very difficult to play a reactive deck, which I think is why it's kind of interesting because like these Sultai ultimatum decks, I think, have made the smart decision to stay being proactive decks they're essentially a threat deck even though like a lot of their list is configured to look like a control deck but when you really look at the way that they're built they're like no i'm just still trying to get out a massive threat as quickly as i can and end the game because they know that they're not going to answer everything in the format it's it's kind of a laughable thing to do so i think that if you are playing a reactive deck you have to a you know have an iron constitution like cgb <laughs> who who just loves playing reactive decks regardless and just intends to draw most of his deck in every game to compensate, right? Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> Either you have to do that or you basically have to be proactive. And I think that that's what we're really seeing in this format is that like all of these decks, whether they're, yeah, these team or adventure decks, these aggro decks, even some of the more controlly decks, they're all proactive. You've even got people like Danny T. Law, for example, brewing his Demir control deck where his game plan is actually resolving Shark Typhoon every game yeah. and making yeah. sharks and killing people, right? Because even yeah. he acknowledges that he can't just play a regular control game. It's just not going to work out. So that seems like the states of standards. So you've been playing some historic recently, CGB. I would love to hear your experiences in that format. So in the vein of talking about the Kaldheim Championship, that is competitive historic. I have not been playing competitive historic. I have been playing memeing historic. <laughs> Just to be clear on that, let's let's be clear up front. I have been trying to make videos around historic anthology for the cards within it like okay you bought this anthology what can you actually do with these cards mm. because mm-hmm. a lot of them really you know we did the show we don't have to hold back if you heard that show you know what i'm gonna say a lot of them suck they suck <laughs> they suck no reason to have them <laughs> yeah so i did a, i i love doing the death shadow video but like for example doing a triumphant reckoning video where I'm trying to resolve a nine mana sorcery speed white card that returns things from the graveyard to the battlefield, all planeswalkers, enchantments and artifacts. Um, that's the kind of stuff I've been doing, by the way, what do we get back? We get back the fall of Thran and the soul guide lantern. Oh, that's mean. That's mean. 
If you've never been on the receiving end of this combo, it basically involves uh, blowing up all of the lands and then exiling all of your opponent's lands. And so only you get lands. And uh, yeah, that's very mean. Yep, Triumphant Reckoning is a full-on take two on that combo. But anyway, as far as actual... Like, I've been watching and reading about the competitive historic, which I don't enjoy playing nearly as much. It's just not my format. We've talked about that on the show before. But it's interesting in the fact that there was a banning. Like, that's that's the thing. It, it does not have a good number on the wall for time since a ban. Uro got the axe. So what does that change, I think, is on everybody's mind. Uh, somebody who does play competitive right now is my friend airball who i make some of my like coaching videos with and he just sent me a breakdown for the historic uh tournament meta share today in one of the bigger tournaments for the weekend <laughs> check this out 19 percent of the field azorius control oh it's 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 i was gonna say it's back but it's it's been back for a while in a perfect tie with the other 19% of the field, sacrifice. Jund Sacrifice, yep. which has emerged very much as something that people are talking about as the best deck in the format. Then, check this out. Then, the number three. Do you know what this is? Can you guess? Do you want to take a shot? I don't know if you'll guess it. Um, Let's see. But it's I... a deck you loved before it was cool. Oh, really? Is it? Oh, is it the ultimatum? The historic it, ultimatum. It's Sultai. It is Sultai ultimatum. Just put Gross Spiral in there, and here we go. I, okay, so I've seen like some various streamers and people kind of dicking around with this. You know what's funny about this is that basically what happened in Standard was that we lost Oro, Nissa, stuff like you know Growth Spiral, and so we had to switch to this ultimatum deck to kind of get that oomph to get that Sultai top end in there and it's yeah. kind of funny because i feel like in historic they're like well we lost oro guess we're gonna have to get that ultimatum top end in there and yeah there it is so but, they, but let it, me so uh, let me guess all right because actually i haven't okay. gone deep on this but i'm guessing okay. that they took the standard deck list they put in you know the stupid cards right the growth spiral nissa maybe some explorers if they have room for them and then they're probably, I'm guessing that the ultimatum targets are very modest. Uh, I'm guessing that they have some Alrin's Epiphanies in there, maybe a Vorinclex. But I'm guessing that a lot of the deck just plays otherwise like kind of a standard, I mean, a historic Sultai deck. How right did I get it? Uh, it's a bit different. Okay. So I mean, let me throw some cards at you. Liliana Dreadhorde General. Oh, so are they doing the uh, they're doing the combo with plane-wide celebration? Is that in there? It is not, but it doesn't need to be because of Vorinclex. Oh, because you get to just alt Lily that way. Okay. Yes. Yep. No, that makes sense. Let me just throw more cards at you. Be reaction, Andy. All right. Okay. <laughs> Golos, tireless pilgrim. The main deck in Golos. Three copies and three copies of the World Tree. No way. Wait. Okay, this took a left turn, man. This took okay. a big left turn. Ready for another card? All right, lay it on me. Omniscience. Okay, Omniscience is sick. Omniscience <laughs> is gas. 10 mana blue enchantment spells cost zero. 
Okay, so this is a this is another go big version of the deck then, because I've been seeing some versions that seem kind of modest, and I thought that that might actually be the good idea. But I mean, who can resist an opportunity to get an omniscience on the table? So that's pretty gas. Now that I've let you sit in the corner and feel dumb for a minute, there is a plain white celebra- celebration in the sideboard. <laughs> Okay, we got there, we got there. Well, so that oh, used man. to be the combo before Varinclex, was yes. that the celebration was what allowed you to ult your Lily immediately. Yep. Well, I mean, sounds like a heck load of powerful cards in one deck. It does, doesn't it? Do you yep. want to hear how, how it did in the first tournament? Yeah, let's or hear how it. These, let's, let's talk about the win rates for these three decks, okay? Okay. All right, the first one, Jun Sacrifice. 73% win rate. Oh, you oh, hate to see it. Damn. Azorius Control. 38% win rate. Okay, and that's probably not the worst. Sultai Ultimatum. 0%. Zero. Absolutely zero. Doesn't surprise oh, me. 0 for 26 in matches. Oh, that's so brutal. <laughs> A shadow of its former glory. So you know, you take out one card. Oh, you take one yeah. card out of the deck, and it just folds like a house of cards. There you go. So I guess the takeaway is that Nissa decks just aren't really where it's at at the moment. Although I have been seeing, like people like Andrea Mangucci, for example, have been experimenting with Bant, right? So they take the Azorius shell and they just put like a handful of. I guess that only playing Nissa and Growth Spiral. That's probably the only green cards there bringing into the shell, if I had to guess. But yep, I mean, when you look at the 6-0s from this first SCG tournament for Historic for the weekend, it's 6-0 Jun Food and 6-0 Jun Company. Yeah. Like, yep. oh my goodness. And then you just look down the list, it's Jun, 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 Jun. There's some Rakdos Arcanist here and some Orzov Auras there, and there's Jun and more Jun and a bit of Jun to go with your Jun. There you go. Oh, Yashan was the other card. So this is what I'm wondering. Do you think that people might sleeve up Bant? And basically they take the Azorius shell, they put some Nissa, some Growth Spirals, and some Yashans into it, and then try to use that as a vector for basically hard targeting these Jund lists? Do you think that that might be a way that they're going to get around this? I think that they'll try it. It's hard to quantify all that Uro does for those strategies, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's Because true. it's just, you always have your win con on the back burner that was your enabler up front. You always have inevitability. If they actually had to win the game with Nyssa Crisis in Historic, can they just win? Does that just do it? There's still claim the firstborn freaking everywhere for your Crisis and your Nyssa lands. I, I just don't know how that all comes together. I don't really see how it comes together, to be honest. Well, and I'll tell you what, playing against these super lean sacrifice lists without gaining an additional 6 to 12 life every game is is pretty tough, especially in a go-long shell, you know, like these control shells are. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I can see why a lot of pros were actually not stoked about the Oro ban in Historic, because it basically has removed one of the big checks on the sacrifice list from the format. So if I was a super spiky player, I would just leave up Jund this weekend. I mean, it, it seems head and shoulders are above the format. 
I'm I'm looking at the win rates. Uh, this is um, an SCG. It's like the first satellite of the weekend. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's a competitive tournament in historic. There are only five decks with a win rate above 50%. Five. And there are something like, there are 29 archetypes. Five have a win rate above 50%. Brutal. Like this Azorius Auras list is a 2-2 actually, so it's a misreport. Azorius Auras, Monogreen Elves, and Tempered Steel, these are two small sample sizes to really take anything away from. Yeah. And this Grixis Control deck says 75%, but it's a 3-3, three and three, so I don't think it counts. Yeah. So it's just Orzhov Auras and Jund? There you go, man. Wow. Yeah, it does seem to be a bit of a polarized format right now. And I'll tell you what, Death Shadow is definitely not, at least from what I've seen so far, the card that's going to turn the format on its head for this tournament either. Yeah. Uh, guys, you better really enjoy watching cats come out of ovens for this section of the show. <laughs> Do you think that we might actually see a cat ban in Historic sometime soon? Yes. That seems like a reasonable thing to expect, right? What else can you take out of this deck? And yeah. if nothing else wins. So they've got to find a way to beat it. And I was watching Croaky's stream, and he plays a lot more Sacrifice than I do. So I, I tend to listen to him when it comes to talking about Sac. You know, he puts in the time. Yeah. And he said, the only thing that's ever stopped Sacrifice since Cat Oven arrived in Eldraine was over-the-top combo decks. Mm. fires wilderness reclamation nexus of fate you know mm -hmm. this stuff if combo decks are what have historically beat this because its incremental advantage is just too cheap and low cost then there all the combo stuff has been banned here it yeah, is that's true so here's another thing that i i was kind of wondering about and i'm somewhat sad to see it actually that it seems like these selesnia angels lists while they are maybe the scourge of the ladder don't really seem to be making inroads into the competitive scene either 40 percent win rate on those right now yeah and probably because they get slaughtered by the jund so yeah man that's uh i would not be honestly i wouldn't be thrilled to play either format in <laughs> in this yeah. event I think I have to play the next qualifier in Historic, which probably means uh, I go get my 30% win rate with Azorius Control. There you go. And, uh, there you go. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Well, take a look at those Bant lists and see whether Yashan can't get worked in somehow, because who knows? Maybe that's worth it. I have trouble believing in a 4-4 four, four for 4 staying on the battlefield and making everything okay. Yeah, I mean, many a pro has relied upon the pig to control these and, sack decks so and it's it, it works when they weren't expecting it and then as yeah, soon as they are true. expecting it like either they don't play it or they play a different version it's been kind of a weird rotation watching the pros play historic but yeah they have moved in and out of like here's yasharn here's no yasharn based on whether or not people are going to play jund so i don't know i if i were playing a tournament i probably would try to find a way to just spam yasharn and that might be the only green card in my blue white deck you know, right. we'll just run four of those. That's my win con. We did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, yeah, you know, it is a format that contains such fun sideboard cards as Noxious Grasp. So I guess I guess we'll see. We'll see that. I, I'm sure both of us will be tuning in to watch this tournament and just to get a state of the matter, as it were, before Strixhaven hits. Absolutely. That's the 26th through 28th on Twitch is what they said. Right on, right on. All right, so what's next on the docket for us here? 
So there was a big series of announcements in an article that shed some light on some of the things coming out later uh, with the sets this year. Um, first of all, kicking off with Strixhaven, there is a March 25th preview kickoff. So that's about, that's next Thursday. So that's six days away. So that's going to be their big, like, introducing a bunch of cards at once and then preview season starts. And then you know what we're doing for the next month. Like, what else can we talk about but all these cards that fly at us? And on April 15, which is a memorable date in the U.S. because it is tax day. Oh, God. Are they releasing the set on April 15th? They are releasing the set on MTG Arena and Magic Online on April 15th. So for most people, most people, if you don't know this about the U.S., get a refund. Uh, Working people have withholding, and then they do deductions that are added up annually. Withholding takes place throughout the year. So then you get a refund. And now with direct deposit, refunds come reasonably fast. So maybe they're just hoping get some of that refund check just directly into mtg arena oh god yeah except like another portion of that player base is going to be frantically filing their taxes before the deadline (laughs) oh yeah i mean that's that what better way what better way to prepare your taxes than while watching some streamers play with new magic the gathering cards (laughs) i i i i I can't think of one can Uh, you oh gosh so um, the 16th through the 22nd is the pre-release week, which I still don't know why they do that without paper, but it's tradition. And when paper comes back, that'll be a thing. And then on April 23rd is the official tabletop release of Strixhaven and Commander 2021. Mm-hmm. So right. the Commander set this year is dropping the same day as Strixhaven School of Mages. Which isn't usually a thing we care about on the Arena Craft Podcast very much, but in the spirit of the show, I've been branching out, doing other things. Commander is one of them. This is going to be my first Commander set release while considering myself a Commander player, so I'm a little more excited than I should be. And I'm going to try not to mix up my Commander previews with my Strixhaven previews, since they're going to happen at the exact same time for some reason. You're just shaking your head. I just, I don't even know anymore, man. I, you know, I wish I was excited about Strixhaven and it has nothing to do with the set, but I'm just like, I'm just not ready for it, dude. I haven't had the time to build up the anticipation. I mean, I'm excited about like a standard format shakeup. That sounds great. But as far as actually just like having the RAM in my brain or like the free memory that's ready to like get stoked about another magic product, it's just not there yet. That is totally acceptable because you know whose job it is to get you hyped? The cards. And we just don't have them. We have, we have the five commands. Yep. I guess that's and true. And I, I honestly don't think the commands are going to be build-arounds. They just yeah. aren't. They're just these kind of flexi cards. So we haven't seen the right stuff. What do you think of the Royal Scions being in the set? I am kind of stoked about that. I, just from a flavor perspective, I have always enjoyed those two characters. I find them creepy. Really? Oh, they, they're way too into each other. That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, uh, you think there's some uh, there's some Lannister going on here? It's like a bad anime, you know, where the siblings are just like way too into each other, but they never actually talk about it. I mean, this one picture you're showing me here is a little bit weird. I will give you that. Guys, can we get the owl from Hogwarts into every single card? That That's, I think, what we're really going for. I mean, look, it's the owl is even the set symbol. It's right yeah. there. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. Are they gonna release like a a card that's called like Shadwig or something? Yes. <laughs> Lock it in. Anyway, I'm gonna move on to more sets because we have more, and you know. This is going to be a, a different kind of show where we just like react. Like, what do you think of this? Are you happy about this? Are you hyped or dehyped? So, Modern oh, Horizons God. 2. Modern Horizons 2. Here's, here's my immediate hot take reaction. It's just, ugh. For those of you who don't know much about Modern Horizons 2, the closest it's come to Arena is it's where the 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 new crab, I believe, came from. <laughs> yeah, the and the Merit Lage card. Yeah, the Cancrix in the in the historic anthology. But this is a this is a set designed to be released directly and legal for the modern format, which is played on paper and MTGO. The last time they did this, Hogak. <laughs> and I I couldn't read this press release without inserting Hogak into every sentence. I mean, that's it. They gave us such venerable cards as Hogak. They also gave us uh, Ice Fang Kuatl, which is an incredibly powerful card. They gave us Arkham's Astrolabe, recently banned from, what, Legacy, was it? Yeah, Hogak had to be banned uh, after ruining a high-level event. People were sideboarding multiple copies of the Black Leyline in decks that didn't even run Black Mana. Sideboarding? No. Oh, they were main decking, weren't they? They were main decking, yeah. The Hogak deck itself main deck ley lines one of my favorite stories from pro tour barcelona or i guess mythic championship barcelona the hotel lobby the pros would walk up to each other and one would say hey hi so hogak yes hogak how many main deck ley lines the other says three the other says ha four this is how people like this is how pros greeted each other in the hotel lobby yeah, and they also had now now remind me about this. Which set was Bridge from Below printed in? It wasn't printed in Modern Horizons, but it was banned in an attempt to make Hogak weaker. Yeah, so this was kind of like a banning Oro so we don't have to ban Omnath kind of a thing that they tried in Modern. Yeah, and it only made the deck better because the Bridge from Below combo deck was uh more turned out more fragile than the just straight up cast this card beat down. For those who don't know, look up Hogak, Risen Acropolis. It's it was like an eight eight trample that you could play for free. I don't remember all the text. It was just filthy. It was utterly filthy. It was like Modern's version of the Tybalt's Trickery deck, except that it wasn't a meme. It was actually just by far the best deck in the format. So imagine how obnoxious that would have felt. Now this is this is the thing about Modern Horizons two that I take away. When they released Modern Horizons, they had basically had Mythic Championships where, like, on Arena, it was always Standard, and in paper, it rotated. There would be Standard, then there'd be Modern, then there'd be, you know, there were also draft components to those tournaments, most usually. When Modern Horizons came out, suddenly all the paper events were Modern, like all summer. The whole summer was Modern paper, which drove me crazy. Because it's not my format, so uh, just I I I think they're getting they're preparing to return to paper magic and in person play. I will be really mad though if every single event is modern because I do want to get out there and go to events again. But I'd like to play in some, and modern is not an accessible format for most for most people. Is that just because you can't really play control in modern? <laughs> no, not at all. You can play all kinds of degenerate control. It's because the mana base costs like as much as the room yeah. I'm sitting in. 
Yeah, that's it's like if you think it's expensive to get into Commander, try playing Modern, man. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. All right, any any final thoughts on Modern Horizons two? I, I mean, it's not going to really affect my life, so we can move on. All right. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. On July 16th, instead of a core set, we get the Dungeons and Dragons crossover set, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Are you hyped for this? N- no? Did you ever play D&D? No. Okay. I, I think I would have liked to have played D&D at any point in my life, but it just never came up. I never had the right friends. I just didn't have enough impetus to get into it myself and as a result i've never played it and it's like no shade on dnd whatsoever but i just this doesn't yeah, not, tickle my fancy not part of your you know it's just not part of your life so it feels about as weird and alien as a walking dead crossover well and here's here's another thing is just that um i do again i'm not deep into it but i will say that i do find the general D property that i've been exposed to so far to feel fairly derivative it feels like um you know it feels like lord of the rings light to me or something like that and mm, so this, the nerds are getting angry i can oh feel it. i'm I gonna get my my it- my internet senses are tingling I'm, I'm gonna get flamed hardcore for this but i but i will say that i'm just like Honestly, I feel like like Magic the Gathering, for example, I think has really it's really moved away from its roots. It's really moved away from its D&D roots and developed these like fantastical universes that I think are really fascinating. Places like Phyrexia, places like Kaladesh that is, I really love the plane, places like Zendikar. It's just really, really interesting fantasy realms and maybe i'm just not acquainted enough with dungeons dragons but i haven't seen anything like that from dnd i haven't seen anything that to me really gets away from you know like dwarves and dragons and elves and and stuff so am i like super off base about that i don't know but i'm trying to find out i put out a tweet asking people for their recommendations of what books to read to get in touch with the world of the forgotten realms before the set comes out and they sent me some ideas and the audible cart got filled the credits got redeemed the audiobooks are downloaded so um hopefully i'll be more in touch in the future i'm trying to reserve judgment because i want this to be cool, I think. I, I, I think I was always intrigued with Dungeons & Dragons, but my only experiences playing it was very bad, uh, mostly because I just did not like RNG inserting itself upon me. Like, I had a character, I rolled bad things, I kept getting options to retreat, and I was getting my butt kicked by two goblins, and I was a stubborn kid, and I refused until I died. <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, I just never wanted to play again because I just couldn't roll something over like a 10. And so for me, it it died uh, a horrible death in my youth. But I'm trying to stay excited about this. At least it's Wizards properties and Wizards properties meshing and not other things that will eventually happen, apparently. But um, I pulled my Twitch audience. What would you guess is the level of hype versus unhyped? Oh, like from your audience? Yeah, do you have a guess? I would guess it was 70% hype. It was 80-20 with 80 being not hype. Really? Yeah. Wow. Only about 20% were excited about this. That surprises me. I mean, that I mean I would have voted not hyped, 
right? But I would have thought I I feel like I'm in the minority here. But I mean, that's so that's interesting to hear from you. Um, yeah, yeah. And I I'm curious about that as well, mm-hmm. and I could theorize, but I don't want to theorize about my viewers too much. I l- want to let them be themselves. Sure, so. sure. But that is an interesting data point. It is, and I also did a poll for the next one that we're coming to. Okay. So are you ready to talk about the next? Yes, set? yes, I am. I should say sets. This is where it gets really interesting. That's right, because we are going back. We, we hinted at it earlier. We are actually going back to the block format. Yeah. Which uh, is something, um, I mean, I guess arena players, we did see this in uh, the Ravnica, right? We had Ravnica and Ixalan, which are both block formats, but we've moved away from it recently. Mm-hmm. So what we have is we're returning to Innistrad, and we're doing it in two separate sets. Like we theorized when they announced that there would be a vampire and a werewolf themed two different kind of styles of Innistrad. Would they both be one set and you could get two different boosters and Team Edward and Team Jacob this sucker? Or are they legitimately two separate standalone piles of cards that have different mechanics? Um, you know, things like that are released in different booster boxes, etc. And here's here's how it works. Not only are they separate sets, they have separate release dates. So on September 17th, Midnight Hunt releases. This is the werewolf set. How do you feel about this? Uh, I mean, honestly, the werewolves were probably one of my least favorite parts of the Innistrad thing. Specifically limited was kind of a punishing mechanic because you get these situations where like if you didn't play any spells, your opponent's werewolves would flip and then that would put you even further behind in a game of magic. So I'm curious what their mechanics are going to be in this case. Now, these werewolf cards and some of these other Innistrad cards were like, I'm, I'm trying to remember this, but they were some of the first flip cards in magic, right? When they were first introduced? Yes. Uh, in fact, I came back to Magic after a short break, and one of the first things that I did was sit down and see people flipping cards over, and I was like, <laughs> what? What? The flying eh? fluff is Hunt going Master on of the here. Fells does what? And uh, yeah, um, missed a lot of triggers that day, oh, is boy. what I did. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. So they've been really leaning into double-faced cards recently, and so I imagine that this set is just going to have a, a flip ton of... <laughs> Double face cards. See what, see what I did there. there. I maybe they'll have a different mechanic for their werewolves this time. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, here's one thing I am worried about, though. CGB. I am definitely worried about multiple questing beast power level of creatures entering Magic. I just feel like there are going to be some really nasty creatures, and okay, so I'm a little bit worried about that. I. <laughs> How about a questing beast that on the backside is another questing beast with different text? Or like a questing beast that turns into a planeswalker. There you go. If this hits your opponent and incidentally kills their planeswalker, then flip it over. And now you have a seven mana power level of planeswalker that, ah, whatever. So in talking about... I, I like sharing the stuff I learned about chat because it was one of my more interactive streams where usually I just play magic and they react. But I was asking my chat a lot. I did a lot of polls and I like paid attention to what they were saying when reading this announcement. And um, a lot of the discussion of werewolves came down to complaining about the mechanic. 
That's funny. Which so is it interesting. wasn't just me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't just you. Okay. A lot of people were very annoyed by the mechanic. Yeah. And we'll get to, I, I told them to vote on like werewolves versus vampires. And I'll, I'll tell you how that turned out in a minute. Now, but. let me ask you, CGB, because I actually didn't play the original Innistrad set. Did the original uh, werewolves work the same way? Yeah. So uh, it was. Uh, yeah. It was don't cast a spell and things flip. Yeah. And then double spells yeah. flip them back. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Because that that was one thing I wasn't sure about. Because if it was in the previous two Innistrad sets, then it does kind of lean towards the idea that it might be coming back, right? But uh, to me, that's just lazy design. Like you can make it better. They have yeah. say what you want about wizards. They have tried to find ways to make clunky things more better, just better. Well, and actually, and I'm just think... thinking now. The Eldritch Moon Werewolves, I think, had uh, there were mana activation flips if i remember correctly so maybe they had already started yeah to there were from that. there were various ways to flip them you had to fulfill certain requirements to flip them mm-hmm. some of them did flip automatically but okay i hope i hope they're moving away from that one particular design space because i i agree with your audience i just think it's kind of a crummy mechanic i, I just i think it punishes you for doing things that are already punishing that's what I didn't like about it. Here, here's something that will excite you. This is the thing that got chat the most hype when I reminded them about this. This set releases on September 17th. As of now, that is still the date that Eldraine is scheduled to rotate oh, out of standard. Snap. Along with Theros Beyond Death, Ikoria, and the corset. Wow. So that's oh, what, wait, does M21? The leave? Yes, it does. Yep, M21 leaves. Yeah. Yep. Wow, which is going to be big. That's going to be big. Yep, start thinking about your werewolves in a uh, world without adventures. You know what that means, though, CGB? These sets, these like first set after rotation sets are generally really powerful. <laughs> Let me have some. You are like the hype assassin. You are just fine. You are going to find something bad. You're you're on a you're on a negative Nancy mission. Stop it! I'm hyping a freaking werewolf set, bra. dude. From the from the moment I laid eyes on this little like howling werewolf and the little Innistrad Midnight Hunt icon, I was just like, the set's gonna be broken. I just knew it. <laughs> Stop! Stop! It doesn't have to be okay. It doesn't have to be. What are they gonna do? They're gonna ban like Lupin the werewolf for being a seven seven for four mana. Okay, fine. It doesn't have Ember Cleave anymore. It doesn't have the Great Hench. It's fine. We're, we're gonna have Werewomnath. Stop! Stop it! It mutates into a creature that produces like seven mana of any color and draws five cards. Uh, no, no, it's fine. It comes out and it's Teamer Omnath on the front, and then it's just Four Color Omnath on the back. Come on, come on, Faith, dude. Kaldheim was good. Kaldheim. Kaldheim look at the board. An excellent board. constructed set. We've got multiple months without a ban in standard. Look at the board. Terrible limited, but an excellent constructed set. Ten out of ten. I'm freaking carrying you into the optimist realm. Okay. Now this is the part I find really This is the one I'm excited about actually. This this of these two sets, this is the one I'm really stoked about. So, I've got this is Innistrad Crimson Vow. Now, Innistrad Crimson Vow releases on November 19th. Yeah. And what you can expect is the biggest vampire wedding 
in Innistrad history. So you know what this is is an homage to, don't you? What? Do I? Dude, think about your Game of Thrones. Oh, the Red it's Wedding? It's the no, Red I, I mean, Wedding. I, I, but it's vampires. Like, vampires are known for throwing, like, I epic know. wedding masquerade garbage parties. Hoity-toity. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's, like, a direct tie-in. I just thought that, like, you can't help but notice that particular thing, right? Dude, there's going to be a card called Red Wedding. D- there probably will be. It probably is. Or the magic equivalent, right? The magic yeah, equivalent. Yeah. It's going to be some, like, seven-mana red enchantment that does some ridiculous yep. something blood-soaked wedding yeah uh so a few interesting things about this one the gossip side who's getting married i've heard <laughs> some point. beautiful suggestions such as soren and a rock <laughs> <laughs> that's just mean in the lore nahiri like has that's him locked in rocks mean. yeah or uh soren and nahiri is a popular one since they hate each other and fight across yeah, the that's ages. that's like some full-on fanfic like slash it sure fiction is going on. it sure is uh drana drana is a key one i mean nahiri has to show up right she has to show up yeah people are like veto yeah yeah nahiri's crashing the freaking wedding yeah like absolutely why not one of the reasons why declaration in stone is one of my favorite magic cards is just the flavor man i just love the flavor of that card right because you want to fill in the audience yeah so for those of you who don't know basically i don't remember exactly why but sauron and nahiri just have like an epic hate fest going on oh i know why Soren locked her in the hell vault for like a million years, like like basically imprisoned her why, for why like did he a huge that? chunk of her life. Uh, he had to, I believe he had to trap in Grizzlebrand, and oh, it was okay. just part of the part of how he had to do it because he's a merciless guy. Because he's but he not and very so, nice. like Nahiri and Soren were friends, and then this happened, and now Nahiri comes out with Megarath. Okay, and then he imprisoned her in a rock for a very long time, which is likely to piss someone off, especially someone with an anger management issue like Nahiri. Yep. So anyway, so Nahiri busts out of the Hell Vault, and the first thing she does, I don't know, but one of the first things she does, she storms over to Markov Manor while Soren's away. And yep. she basically imprisons everyone in Markov Manor in Markov Manor. She basically takes people and inserts them into the walls and they die because that's what happens when you get stuck into a rock and you're not Nahiri. And um, when if you look at the art on that on that card, it's just like a bunch of vampires like hanging out of walls and stuff. And it's just freaking sweet, dude. It's just yep. it's an epic moment in the Innistrad lore, and Nahiri just fully badassing out so i love it and since we kind of diverted into innistrad lore i just want to say really quickly i believe that lore is still live on daily mtg and it was in my opinion the best time to be reading mtg lore like nice. i i feel like it was the best lore was uh the re- the shadows over innistrad lore and then into eldrick moon lore and you can still i think go back to the first innistrad lore like it's really good uh it as is. compared to places where it fell off later on but if you are interested i encourage that it, it is really cool i mean just reading about like archangel avison and then like how the freaking eldrazi come in and mess up the plane and stuff it's just really really fascinating dude spoilers my bad my bad <laughs> um and then something big happens <laughs> really big anyway um so the other thing on this announcement that i want to note they are releasing a new set on November 19th. This has been for a very long time, like a really long time, 
the last quarter, the fourth quarter, has been the dead zone for like standard MTG shakeups and rotations. The only thing that shakes it up is when Oko gets banned. Uh, so the first of all, that's a fifth standard legal set this turn. Is that this, is this, that really yeah. true for the year? Yeah. It's a fifth standard legal set for the year. They they snuck another standard ah, set into the year. And so what they haven't said is what the future rotation future of rotation is. Are they going to rotate at eight sets or are they going to rotate at fall set? Because they found a way to sneak in another set. Are we getting a bigger standard or are we getting more frequent rotation? More frequent shakeups for standard. I, I'm into eat like I'm I'm into this. I I would like that too. Now, one of the reasons they had spoken about for not having fast uh, standard rotations is that when people own paper cards, it kind of sucks to have your cards rotate out of the format so quickly. It disincentivizes people to buy cards and paper. However, we all know that everything's different now, and Magic Arena is one of the reasons, and the pandemic is another big reason. And so I think that a lot, a lot, a lot of people, especially a lot of people who are invested in standard right now, would be excited to see more frequent rotations. Yeah, I think so too. I also, this this vibes with the direction that Wizard of the Coast has gone. It seems very clear to me that somewhere in the last two years, they said to themselves, you know, they were pretty much told by Hasbro, like, get real, get more profitable. And they're like, well, how much more profitable? They're like, well, actually, you guys have never really tested that ceiling. That's what they're doing. They're testing the ceiling. How many sets and how many products can they release before we don't buy them? Yeah, maybe a good point. like they don't they don't know what that number is. So they are a business. You can say what you want. Um, none of us are forced to play Magic. We it is it is a uh, it is a hobby that we engage in, and we might be pretty addicted to it. But when we're out of money, we're actually out of money. But no, they have not learned like how many sets and products they can put out before we stop buying, before we run out of our, before our magic budget is tapped. And I know that's frustrating for people who don't have much magic budget to hear. I was there. I was a kid once. You know, I watched everybody around me get new cards while I mowed lawns and raked leaves and did everything I could to buy like a few booster packs and do a draft on Friday night. So I've been there, but I also remember when I was that kid watching, watching those grown men just go to the store and buy a box of cards. I said, I'm going to, that's what I want to do someday. Like it was my motivation. And now I am a grown man. And every time something comes out, I'm like, yes, please, let's get some freaking cards up in here. Let's go. And I haven't figured out where the ceiling is for when I'm willing to say that's enough. And I think that that is what they're chasing. Mm. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, we haven't quite transitioned to this yet, but I think it's kind of a, a apropos. Are you going to buy Time Spiral? Remastered? Already did. You yep, did? pre-ordered it. Okay. I, in fact, well, this is mostly a content thing, and I missed Time Spiral the first time. I don't have much to do with these cards other than mm -hmm. play Commander. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, now that I play Commander, I'm much more excited. Yeah. But I've already pre-ordered it. We're going to do a boost, a time spiral box opening stream. I'm going to make some live content. We're just going to rip packs and show off some freaking flashy cards and cool frames. Sick. So yeah, that is a thing I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Because I'm beyond not the target market 
the Time Spiral Remastered. I think it's cool. I'm happy that people are stoked about it. I think it's fantastic. But for me, I just couldn't care less about that set. I think they know it's a niche product. Yeah. Like, it is a nostalgia play. Like, that's what we talked, that's why I talked about with Revised. Like, get that nostalgia juice flowing. You know, Time Spiral is that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think other remastered things might be that. But to insert another set into standard, like, that is the lifeblood of the game, has been for a long time. It's the competitive foundation. And more importantly, it's another set on Arena. Yeah. Now they have Arena. They can inject standard right into everybody's veins through Arena. To have another set on Arena. That's a lot of money. It is. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. So let me ask you this, because I actually don't know this. Um, are they are they actually going back? Like the, the closeness of proximity to the publishing makes me wonder if they're going to go back to like the block format, for example, with drafting, right? Are we going to get two of Crimson Vow and one of the other one? Or I wouldn't be surprised with Arena if they offered both and more. Interesting. Think about it. When when is the next? What's the re- next remastered block? Right, we just did Kaladesh. Isn't Innistrad right there? That's what I was saying. Is that I feel like the next remaster that we're going to get is Innistrad. So maybe they're going to drop it like in anticipation. Would be my that would be a cool Dude. thing to do, right? Is if they remastered Innistrad in the summer and released it and gave us a few months to get into Innistrad, and then they just hit us with two more sets. I mean, that would be a lot of Innistrad. But I mean, summer or December, like they, they'll either do it like August or December. Yeah, they could do that and for sure. And then they can give us, we can have Midnight Hunt Draft. We can have Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow Draft. We can have Crimson Vow Draft and we can have Midnight Hunt, Crimson Vow and Innistrad Remastered. Well, here's, here's why I'm bringing it up is because if they went back to the block format, then in uh, Crimson Vow would be... A supplemental set, right? It would be a smaller set. So the big sets are usually 300-something cards. These supplemental sets tended to be 200-something cards. And they were sets that you couldn't actually... They weren't designed to be drafted on their own. So that's one thing I'm curious about, is whether this will be a standalone set, like 300-something cards, designed... I heard it was. Oh, it was. Okay. I, I think the original announcement said that they are, like full standalone okay which is cool i prefer it that way quite frankly just both from a limited standpoint and also just because it's cool to have a full set right i would just rather have 300 cards than 200 cards so i'm i'm happy to hear that but i do think that it would be cool maybe it's not perfectly play balanced but i think it's much more likely to work with the two full sets of jamming them together you know what i mean as opposed to taking a set that wasn't designed to be drafted alone and doing it alone. So I hope they do give us the option to do that, because that would be sweet. Yeah, I, I have a feeling they're going to find all kinds of different ways to present this through arena events and arena uh, com- you know, competing options and competitive play. I, I think that they've got a plan around this that is just all of that and more, quite honestly. Awesome. Well, I, I'm very excited about the return to Innistrad. So you can take, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of meh on Strixhaven. Like I don't really care. And then with the D&D set, I'm kind of down on it. But then the Innistrad one just like pulls me right back up. So so the the Twitch poll, 70-30 hype versus D-hype for Innistrad. I believe it. I believe and it, baby. 
as, as far as vampire hype versus werewolf hype, 57% vampire, 43% werewolf. That kind of tracks. I'm, I'm generally more stoked about vamps as well. So that's the big announcement pile article that came out about new sets. And uh, yeah, any final thoughts on all that fun? I'm actually really stoked about these remastered sets hitting historic. I think it's one of the coolest things about Arena, quite frankly, is being able to play these older sets again in digital and in this modern way. I mean, it's it's been profitable for them, I know. They've said that these remastered sets have been even more popular than they had first imagined they might be. So I am, yeah, I'm really stoked about Innistrad Remastered, and I'm really stoked about, like, I'm sure they're going to do the, you know, Khan's block. I mean, they're just going to keep going, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, they'll probably take us back to the original Zendikar, which I didn't play, which I would love to to try out you know i want to like how cool would it be to have like thought not seer and historic that's the kind of stuff i want to see man it's funny because none of that was in the announcement but honestly that's one of the <laughs> things that gets me the most stoked is just thinking about because i i did again i didn't get to play these old sets so i want to know what it feels like to get a freaking siege rhino on the battlefield yeah i understand i, I really do what about you, man? Like, what what about all of this discussion has you the most pumped? Uh, more sets, more rotation. Like, I'm a person who doesn't feel, you know, I, I the downside of it isn't really going to hit me. The idea that your cards lose value faster, you have to keep up with it. Um, like, I'm a person who, I if, if it's magic, I'm probably going to buy it until I do go broke because I'm just that invested in it. And uh, so... Like that side of it, I, I, I'm the whale market. I'm excited about more cards. I think I've said this on the show before. I just always want more cards, new cards. If they had something for me to buy every week, I'd probably try to. Mm-hmm. So out of the four upcoming sets this year in Standard, is there one that is the front runner for one you're most stoked about? Probably Innistrad Werewolves. I'm much more of a werewolf fan than a vampire fan. I find him a little hoity-toity. Somebody's like, you just admitted to being a whale. But I, I, I don't dress up easily. I hate formal anything. Masquerade brawl, screw that. No. Just get, yeah, like, if I have to go somewhere and wear something other than a hoodie, I get mad. So I'm much more down with the wolves. And rotation. There is nothing yeah. better than rotation for me every year. I think definitely between the two of us, you are the werewolf and I'm the vampire. I think that that is pretty clear in my mind. Pretty clear. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Blood sucking. I'm a dog person. You're a cat person. Yes. Yes. You like meat. I like blood. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> I have a really busy week going on, but I am in talks to do some streams of the new uh arpg i think it's called magic legends that oh, releases yeah. into yeah it's in open public beta next week which what people tell me i i am a weird person to watch play other games like mm. games that aren't exactly the magic card game because i haven't played anything else mm. i am a bambi i'm a baby deer on ice I don't know what I'm doing. I have to have the simplest concepts explained to me. I don't, I had to ask chat what an ARPG was and got like 15 different like anagrams to read. It was really funny. Uh, so I don't know what the hell I'm doing. They say it's like Diablo 2. I've never played a, mi a second of Diablo anything. So, oh wow. Uh, okay, yeah, we're going to see that what's up virginal. with this. 
from yeah. from Chad to Virgin in one fell swoop. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm gonna get destroyed. But um, MTG Nerd Girl offered to play with me. I don't know what time we're doing our show or if she'll be able to make it. I've got some people already hyped in my Discord. They created a channel for it. They've been excited about this for a while. Who are excited to play with me? So if you're interested in checking out MTG Legends. I have a crazy week coming up with furniture coming in and out of my house, but I'm also going to try to stream it. So should be fun. I am also stoked about at least trying this game. I'm not particularly excited about whatever kind of RPG space it is, but it'll be an excuse to play something else and just try something else and learn a bit more about the magic universe. So yeah, I, I will be joining you in the exploration. Then my last thing, can we do a competitive, a like spiky, not competitive because it's no such thing as competitive, but a spiky brawl show one day? Heck yeah. I've been actually getting into spiky brawl. So if you guys are interested in my deck lists, check me out on Twitter at Covert Go Blue and YouTube at Covert Go Blue. I've been making more videos and playing more spiky brawl and maybe someday we can do a show about it i think that's pretty cool let us know in the comments if you want a spiky brawl like a foundational spiky brawl show yeah so just uh on that i did one brawl show it was probably about a year ago it's probably almost exactly a year ago now i had a friend of mine on who's really into brawl and uh we kind of covered the foundations of the format and whatever and I will say it was definitely one of my least downloaded shows at the time, but perhaps like towards the end of this cycle before the next standard set comes out, we might be able to do that without pissing off too many people. I will say I expected my videos to be like my least viewed ones in a long time. And several of them got as many or more views than my standard video released Dope. the same day. Wow. And on my stream on Tuesday, for the first time ever, I put up a poll of what do you want me to play? Spiky Standard, Spiky Historics, Spi Spiky Brawl. Spiky Brawl won 48%, wow. while the All other two right. were split up, yeah, about 20-some percent each. And it was, like, I had over a 1,000 viewers at one point watching me play Try Hard Brawl, which blew my mind. And it makes me think that there's a time in the season, right? And we're just in that spot where... I think people didn't get the historic shakeup they wanted. Standard is what it is, and we don't have new cards yet. And I think I, it just hit at the right time, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so, interesting. Play some Brawl. Have some fun. It's actually, it, it can be fun to spike it up a little. Just a little. I'm down, man. I mean, I enjoy Brawl. I don't play it very often, but whenever I do play it, I enjoy it. So All right. Well, play some. You can tell me about it someday. All right. All right. Awesome. Cool. Do I have to do the outro? I'm scared. Why don't you? I, oh, no. I mean, you already kind of did the outro at the beginning, but let's, you know. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, let's, let's bring it back. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Arena Craft Podcast, our podcast devoted exclusively to Magic Arena. I have been your host, Covert Go Blue, along with your other host, Arjuna Perkins, who is usually the primary host and is lovely and talented. You can find me, Covert Go Blue, on the Twitter at Covert Go Blue and on the Twitch at Covert Go Blue and the YouTube at the Covert Go Blue and probably everything else at the Covert Go Blue. And you can find Arjuna on the OnlyFans at Arjuna Perkins. <laughs> 
forward slash OnlyFans, yeah. And you can find this podcast in so many places like Spotify and iTunes and Google and Stitcher, as well as on YouTube, uh, where we have a YouTube channel. So uh, like, leave a comment, leave a review, and uh, that's the show. So later, crafties. Later, CGB, and later, crafties. Is that it? Was it awkward? It's awkward now. I made it awkward. Don't you'll 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 cut this. It's fine. This is fine. Roll the music. <laughs>